While the kingdom kids are being dismissed, let me say I appreciate the men and young people and ladies that came out and moved all of this stuff out of the... If there's carpet, everything was moved off of it. The carpets were cleaned yesterday, and a crew, a team, came back over this morning at 6.30 and put it all back. And so I'm very grateful for that. Let me also stress that uh, the Prayer Dessert Fellowship this month, uh, please sign up when you leave this building at the, after we worship the Lord to sign up for one of the homes that you would like to go to to pray and fellowship. Debbie? And just a note, we changed the date of ours. Okay. All right, so just check out those clipboards out here outside the double doors. And uh, I'm looking forward to that event. And uh, I, yes, I love dessert, but it's about being with you, and it's about being uh, in prayer. Now, having prayer been said, come tonight to our prayer night. I love the prayer-spiration uh, that we do here, and at 6 o'clock in this room, please come out for prayer. You'll hear the things that we pray about, and one of the things we're going to pray about is a youth minister. Please, uh, that God would send us the man that we need, that God would be laying it upon his heart right now, uh, that he would be showing this young man us and then show us this young man. Okay, so make that a, a, a prayer. You can turn over in your scriptures to Luke's gospel, chapter 4. We'll be there in that text in just a moment. In Greek mythology, one of the warriors, Achilles, you've heard... Uh, that name before. Uh, his mother uh, supposedly had dipped him in the river Styx, and this was going to make him a mighty warrior, uh, invincible. It was going to make him uh, invulnerable, and however, she made a careless mistake. Do you remember what it was? While she grabbed him by the heel and dipped him down in the river, she didn't dip the heel. And so you all know about the Achilles' heel. Well, it was in uh, the Trojan War that uh, a warrior uh, named Paris uh, had just randomly shot a poisonous arrow into the air, and it came down and hit Achilles in a fatal wound in his heel. Now, now people, it was that one spot that made him vulnerable. And I know that everyone in the room here, including me, uh, has a place in our life that we are vulnerable. And you know, according to uh, uh, Ephesians chapter 6, that the devil, he fires uh, fiery arrows at us, and therefore we are supposed to hold up the shield of faith, the shield of faith to extinguish the fiery darts or arrows of the evil one. And so I know that we all have our troublesome times, our spots, uh, but listen, Jesus in our text today in this Luke 4, he is the only one that's ever been invincible. And I want to propose to you that if we will follow this example in Scripture, now you've been in Sunday school all your life, you know this text, but that you will we'll look at this differently today, that we'll be the men and women champions for Christ, that we can with stand the evil one and the fiery poisonous arrows he shoots our way. Let's go to Luke 4 and look at 1 through 15. 
long text, right? But you're very familiar with it, so let's, let's read there. And Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness. For 40 days, being tempted by the devil, he ate nothing during those days. And when they were ended, he was hungry. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command this stone to become bread. And Jesus answered him, It is written. Now that phrase, it is written, means for now and evermore. It will always stand the test of time, and this is what will stand the test of time. It is written, man shall not live by bread alone. And the devil took him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and at the, uh, in a moment of time, and he said to him, To you I will give all this authority and their glory, for it has been delivered to me, and I give it to whomever I will. If then you will worship me, it will all be yours. And Jesus said, it is written, that is, it has been decided now and forever, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. And he took him up to Jerusalem to set him on the tent pinnacle of the temple and said to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down from here, for it is written. Now, before I, before I continue to read, let me tell you that the devil knows how to quote scripture. And so you beware of the context in which something pops into your head is something that you have been faced with a temptation and you want it real bad, and you might even find a scripture. Listen, what, what he says. He will, it's the devil using scripture. He will command his angels concerning you to guard you, and on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. Verse 12, and Jesus answered him, it is said... You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. And when the devil had in, ended every temptation, he departed from him until what? Another opportune time. In other words, the devil has no intention of leaving you alone. He didn't win this little skirmish. He'll be back because he wants to win the skirmish. He wants to break us down. He wants us to feel ashamed. He wants us to be broken. We want, he wants us ultimately to bow down to him, the devil. And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee, and a report about him went out through all the surrounding country, and he taught in their synagogues, being glorified by all. And he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and as was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day. Let's pray. Lord God in heaven, I'm asking a blessing upon your people here today. Bless them with this word. Bless them with the application of this word. And bless them, dear God, with how they are going to apply it to their lives when they leave here. We need to see the victory. Remind us in this message today, the victory is ours when we follow Christ when we live by faith. In Jesus' name, amen. Jesus is attacked on a personal level. Let's go back to verses 1 and 2. Attacked on a personal level. Now, first of all, can't you, with me, as Jesus, it says, full of the Holy Spirit. That's what I want for your life and mine. 
I, I feel the greatest in the Lord when I'm full of the Holy Spirit. I'm not always full of the Holy Spirit, am I? You feel the greatest when you're full of the Holy Spirit, but we're not always full of the Holy Spirit. The, the passions of this life catch our eye from time to time, and it weakens us. We do not lose the Holy Spirit. That's the indwelling that we have uh, in Christ Jesus when we confess his name and are baptized into him. But listen, it says, it, continuing in the spirit in the wilderness, for, verse 2, for 40 days being tempted by the devil. What? The Lord was tempted by the devil as well because you know you are. You know what you're faced with from time to time or maybe regularly or every day, every night. He ate nothing during those days, and when they were ended, he was hungry. It's amazing to me that the devil can show up anytime he wants to and attack us. Well, now look at this just for a moment. Jesus is full of the Holy Spirit. Jesus has just been baptized by John the Baptist. Jesus uh, has now been in a 40-day fast, and he's hungry. I want you to know that when you've got all your ducks in a row, the devil can still show up. When you've done everything right and you're crying out to God, why is life this hard? Why does it have to be this way? I've done everything I know to do. Because there's a devil. And the devil knows when to show up in our lives. He is not God. He's not all-powerful. But he knows how to throw havoc, doesn't he? He knows how to throw a monkey wrench. He knows how to throw a boomerang. And, and it causes us trouble. Satan's proposition is in verses 3 and 4. 3 and 4 read, The devil said to him, if you are the Son of God, command this stone to become bread. Now, that would be an attraction, I guess, for someone that's fasted 40 days to have some bread. Jesus answered him, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone. Now, Matthew's uh, account of this in chapter 4, verse 4, he adds a little piece. And you're probably waiting on it because you know Matthew's account. And it says, But on every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And so we are talking about the words of God. And that's how we combat the devil. We shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And so in application, we, just as Jesus, must meet temptations head on. We must meet them head on. And because if we don't conquer our temptations and they enter our, I've said this many times, it enters our head, he's aiming for the heart. And if it's in the head and you haven't conquered it, where's it headed? It's headed for the heart. What the devil wants is he wants your temptation to be an addiction. It doesn't matter what it is. It could be something simple. It, it could be what my addiction was for years, Krispy Kreme donuts. See, the devil doesn't care. He just, he wants it in our personality to be addicted to something. Because if we can be addicted in small things, the devil knows he can make us addicted in large things. Things that'll take our life, things that'll crum make our lives crumble. And we need to handle things. We need to handle things. You think about a, you think about a, uh, a hangnail. Now, most of us in here had a hangnail and, if you don't have something to snip it out real quick, that thing is just going to aggravate you, right? 
it's just going to fester. It's going to hurt. It's going to pick on something. And, uh, you know, the simplest, smallest temptation, oh, I've got this. I can handle this. Uh, listen, sometimes we say, oh, well, I'll succumb to my temptation this time. I'll be stronger next time. Oh, yeah? Isn't that what you said previously? I'll succumb this time. I'll get stronger. I will handle it next time. No. No, you have to nip it in the bud. You have to hit it head on. Satan's pattern can be seen over in Genesis chapter 3. You don't need to turn there. I'll just remind you of the pattern of the devil. This is where the temptation of Eve came in. God said, there's one tree in the garden you shall not eat of. And uh, the devil, what does he do? Chapter 3, verse 6. Eve saw that it was good and pleasing to the eye. Uh, Satan tried to instill doubt. And when he did that, he said, oh, did God really say that? Creating doubt. Now, Eve knew that God did really say that. But uh, in Genesis 3, verse 4, uh, the devil actually threw out the words, you're not going to die. How stupid is that, that you would die because you ate of this tree? Well, they did die. They weren't, no one was supposed to die in the garden ever, not their children, not them. As long as they were there with the tree of life, they would be in the garden forever. And sin brought them down. In John's Gospel, chapter 8, verse 44, Satan is the father of lies. Now, Satan is going to cast disparaging comments on the Word of God. Now, listen, look, look at us. Look at us. We, we are rational adults. Well, sure we are. We're rational. We're mature. We're a thinking people. But we adults, we don't act so mature at times, do we? Oh, we think mature, but we also think in the other direction. We also sin against God. And I want to share with you right now that it is possible to be a mature, thinking adult and still do some of the stupidest things you can't believe you did. You, you, you can't believe you did it. It is possible that you're married and you fall in love with someone else and it's possible to feel that puppy love again. You know that puppy love when you're 16 years old is a powerful, it's so great that a young person should feel it many times before they marry one of them. Yeah, yeah, feel it, feel it many times. But adults that are married can have an emotional affair. They can have a physical affair. Satan wants to kick up the level. And here's what Satan, you're a married person and Satan wants you to feel this is exciting. He wants you to feel this is exhilarating. He wants you to feel this is energizing. This is intoxicating. And you know that God put some chemicals in the bloodstream to make us feel that way. God put the chemical of dopamine and endorphins and that when we, when we go through something, we think something, uh, you, you see the picture of the Krispy Kreme donut. It, it, it brings up these chemicals into the bloodstream. And you can, I can, we can abuse those chemicals that God put in the bloodstream. And we can use them for evil. Uh, Cole Porter in 1963 wrote a song. And I heard it recently and I thought, I'm going to look that song up. It wasn't Cole Porter singing it. But listen to these words. It, it, the title of the song is, I've Got You Under My Skin. I tried so not to give in. I said to myself, this affair never will go so well. But why should I try to resist when, baby, I know you so well? 
I've got you under my skin. But, but listen to what speaks to him in the night when he's sleeping. I'd sacrifice anything come what might. Well, that's infatuation right there. Well, when you find yourself in love with somebody you're not supposed to be in love with and you say, I'll do anything for them. I'll buy them a car. You dirty rat, you wouldn't even buy your spouse a car. And you'll buy them a car? It's infatuation. Endorphins and dopamine are flowing in your blood system and you'll, you'll do stupid things. All right, so here it is. I'd sacrifice anything come what might for the sake of having you near in spite of the warning voice that comes in the night and repeats, repeats in my ear. Don't you know, little fool, you can never win? Use your mentality and wake up to reality. End of quote of that song. Listen, church, uh, wherever there is a vacuum in your life, the devil is going to try to pour something in that vacuum, in that hole. What am I talking about? Well, you don't think you're getting the pats on the back. You don't think you're getting uh, the, the right recognition. You're not getting your emotions fed at home. And so what's the devil going to do? The devil's going to say, you don't have to put up with this. The devil will fill the vacuum with anything that's sin, and he'll trap you, okay? So we humans are great at justifying. And you know, you know the one I, I've heard? The one I've heard is when, when they were uh, divorcing or they were going to have an affair, they said, well, God understands what I'm going through. Oh, so God understands that you need an affair. God understands that? That is not what God's going to allow you to do. Number two, Jesus is attacked on a popular level. Let's go back to that text of uh, Luke 4, and let's look at verses 5 through 8. 5 through 8. And the devil took him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time and said to him, To you I will give this authority and their glory, for it has been delivered to me, and I give it to whom I will. If you then will worship me, it, all, it will all be yours. And Jesus said to him, It is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only you will serve. And so Satan is offering Jesus all of the kingdoms. Now, I want, to, I want you to imagine all the kingdoms, all the empires. I want you to see all the districts, and I want you to see that the devil has placed a powerful demon over every one of those districts. And I want you to see that Jesus and the devil might have been up on a mountaintop, and, 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 and Jesus knew the regions. Jesus knows what the world is, and Satan is pointing out there and saying, all of this area, of all the world, I will relinquish everything over to you. That's what you came here for. You want the world back. I will give it to you if you will only bow down and worship me. How horrible. How horrible. The devil knows that he has the hearts of mankind. And I'll give you all the hearts of mankind back. If, Jesus, if you'll just do this one thing. If you will bow before me. Satan is saying, Satan is saying, let's, let's end this silly tit for tat. Come, come on, Jesus. Let's, let's cut to the chase. Bow down to me and you can have it all. Is that tempting to you? It wasn't tempting to Jesus. What the devil is saying is, Jesus, why don't we take the shortcut? Now, I don't know if the devil knew that Jesus was coming to die on a cross. 
at this point. But, but, but the devil knew something's up that God took on flesh and walks the earth. Something fishy is up in Satan's mind that Jesus is here in the flesh. And so, uh, whatever you're here for, let's cut to the quick. Let's take a shortcut, and you don't have to die on the cross. I'll give you the world. All you got to do is bow down to me. Verse 7, the word for worship, if you worship me, is proskuneo. There's not a test. You do not need to remember that. But it denotes to bow down, to prostrate oneself, prostate oneself, to lay down, relinquish, bow. And throughout Scripture, this is only reserved for God Almighty. Only God Almighty. It means in the Greek to kiss towards. So the devil is actually saying, Jesus, here's the bounty. It's all yours. Everything. I'll call my demons out. All the hearts of mankind are yours. And all you have to do is kiss toward me. And he, praise God, did not do that. I want you to think of the things that get our attention to unhealthy levels. Uh, think of an attraction. Money? Is, is it materialism? Is it self-gratification? I'm asking today, what are we kissing towards? Two negative results if Jesus had failed that day. Jesus would have sinned, and Hebrews 4.15 could not have been written that Jesus has not sinned if he failed that day, but he didn't fall that day. Number two, Satan would have claimed that he was equal to God. Why? Because Jesus, God's own son, had bowed down before him, and I am equal, Satan would feel and say, and flaunt and glory in, that he's equal to God Almighty. How so? Well, let's go back to our illustration point one. You don't have to work on your marriage. You can have it all now. Here's the shortcut. You can divorce. You can have a fling. You can have an affair. Don't wait. It's going to be great. You guys remember seeing something on Facebook. It was, it was simply called Hold My Beer. It, it's when people are getting ready to do something stupid. They're intoxicated, and they see somebody do something, or they think up a plan. It might be pole vault over a campfire, and they fall into the fire. Anytime you say, uh, hold my beer, I can do that, the next thing you're going to see is a nurse's face in the emergency room saying, do you know your name? Do you know where you are? And that's what the devil wants out of you. He wants you to say about your marriage, oh, I, I can have that affair, hold my beer. I can do that. And we need to sober up, people. Satan is out to trick us. Tempted with popular praise, verses 9 through 12 reads this way. He took him to Jerusalem and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, if you're the son of God, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you, and on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. But here's Jesus. Jesus says, uh, it is said, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. There are ten times that the nation of Israel uh, tested God, and I'm just going to name a few, and you'll remember them like that. Uh, number one, in Exodus 14, the Israelites are trapped in between Pharaoh's army that's coming and the Red Sea. And what do they start saying? 
oh my dear, they're going to they're gonna kill us. Uh, and here's how they said it. Was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you have led us out here in the wilderness to die? Didn't we tell you that we were in Egypt to leave us alone so that we could continue serving the Egyptians? It would have been better for us to have died back there than to die here. They're testing the Lord. Another one, when God starts sending the Israelites manna to eat every morning, remember the angel bread or the food? It meant, what is this? Manna. And he said, there's going to be manna every day, which means don't collect, don't store up the night before for the next day. Trust God that it's coming. And there were people to test the Lord, and they stored up manna, and what happened? It was eaten with worms, and it stank in their home because they would not trust God. Hey, hold my beer. I'm going to collect all the manna I can, and God is not happy. When the Israelites were encamped at the base of Mount Sinai, Moses goes up to the mountain alone with God. Do you remember what happened? He was up there 40 days. you remember what happened? All the Israelites are down below with Aaron, and they're going, you know, he died on that mountain. Look, look, look at the sundial. Where is he? And so they took all the jewelry that they were given when they left Egypt, and they made two golden calves. Hold my beer. We're going to make some golden calves and bow down and worship before this new altar because our leader Moses is dead up on the mountain with God. God didn't like something. He struck him dead. Whatever. Hold my beer. We're going to make a new God. And how stupid is that? Maybe you're going through something right now. And I'm telling you, Jesus' way to do it is the only way. You've got to know the Word of God. And you, you know what you need to do? You're being faced with a powerful temptation, and it's just bombarding you. And you need to go to God in prayer. And you start praying. When Satan is knocking on your shoulder, tapping on your shoulder, hey, 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 stop the praying. I offered you a deal. And you turn in your prayer, and you say, I'm not talking to you, I'm talking to him. And you give it all to the Lord. And you keep praying until the devil leaves you alone. You quote scripture. Maybe you're going through something now and you're not listening to the Holy Spirit. You're not listening to the Word of God. You know why? Because you know what the Holy Spirit's going to tell you. Holy Spirit's going to say, that's not called faith. That's not called patience. That's not called waiting on God. Stop living like that. Ephesians 6, 16, the armor of God. Put on the shield of faith to extinguish the flaming arrows of the evil one. Number three, Jesus uh, victorious on a spiritual level. Look at verse 13. 13. And when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until a more opportune time. So the application is, in warfare, Satan is not going to leave you alone. Well, I gave my life to Christ. I, I didn't think it was supposed to be this hard. Listen. Everything's easy-peasy with Jesus. But the devil is in the world. And he's out to attack us on every front possible to, to destroy you, to bring you down. Because, see, God is receiving the glory by the way you live for him. God is receiving the glory by the way you live for him. And Satan wants some of that glory. 
He wants all of it. And the way he can get it is to get us to fall to his temptations. My dear, Satan is mapping. He is strategizing. He is looking for an opportunity to bring us down to take God's glory from him. A renewed willingness in verse 14. 14 says, And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee, and a report about him went out through the surrounding country. He taught in their synagogues, and it says, being glorified by all. See, Jesus was receiving the glory because he got baptized, he fasted, he prayed, he, he won the victory against the devil, and he went with renewed zeal and power before the people to teach. And we can have that power. And we can go forth teaching and preaching and sharing Jesus Christ. And we can fill a building for Jesus. And we can have two worship services. And we can build another building or whatever it might have to be. I'm, God wants to work in our life. Quit listening to the devil. Oh, is that so, the devil would say. And plant something in your mind. Listen, we need to be in worship to God. In verse 15, and he taught in their synagogues, being glorified by all. You know, it's one thing to miss church because our boss made us work on Sunday. It's another thing to miss church because we didn't care enough to come worship. That is the one that stings to God. That his own creation doesn't come to worship. Listen what he wants out of us. It's found in the book of Hebrews in the chapter 10. And I'm not going to read the whole context, the, whole, the rest of the chapter. I just want to grab uh, three verses for you. And they're in uh, Hebrews 10, 23, 24, and 25. Uh, the Hebrew writer says, Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who is promised is faithful. Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Many translations capitalize the D on day. And you know why? Let us act this way as we see the judgment day coming. The judgment day. See, I'd rather live in love and I'd rather live in grace, but some people don't get it. And they need a, they need a belt whipping. And God will give that belt whipping to bring us back into the straight and narrow way. You can read about that in the book of Hebrews in chapter 12. So think about this. Jesus missed temple and synagogue to fast 40 days in the wilderness and pray to grow closer to God. So when we miss worship to God, when we miss church, is it so we can be out praying and fasting and growing closer to God? Or is it because we are living on the manna, the bread of this world? And God understands. He's a graceful God. I'll get back whenever I can. Verse 16. Verse 16, not of Hebrews, but of our text in Luke 4. 16 reads about Jesus. And he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as was his custom, he went where? He went to the synagogue. He went to the synagogue to pray, to be in the Word, to teach. 
But it says, as was his what? As it was his custom. What is your custom? Let us be faithful to Jesus. I want you to notice that there is a low after the high in your life. Look what Jesus just went through for the high. He just got baptized. He's gone to the wilderness and fasted and prayed and grew closer to his Father in heaven. He has started his ministry, but he's being bombarded by the devil. And so the primary three R's that I want to bring up on the slide next, the primary three R's, refusing to be intimidated by Satan. You need it. I need this in my life. We need to refuse to be intimidated by Satan. He has nothing for you. Quit acting like he does. Number two, recognizing our weaknesses. And yeah, we've got weaknesses, every one of us. And we need to recognize those weaknesses. And then three, we need to request God's help. Our nature, our inclination, our curiosity, our propensity is to, we don't like to miss out on anything. We don't want to miss out. And if the world's going to hell in a handbasket, we're curious. What are they doing to go to hell in a handbasket? Maybe I need to check it out. We don't like to miss out. Satan knows this, and he's already preparing a plan to bring you and me down. He knows that we don't like to miss out. Bill Bosher was a principal at a middle school in Virginia, and he said about dealing with temptation, he said, as a principal, if I say on the loudspeaker from the office, do not go to the boys' restroom on the blue hall. He said, what do you think they're going to do when the bell rings? Every boy is going to go to the blue hall bathroom. They want to see what they weren't supposed to go see. That's his illustration. We need to quote scripture, pray. We need to learn to mind our own business. By the way, this is the first lesson in temptation. I'll be, God willing, I'll be speaking on it next week, and I'll be speaking on it the following week for three lessons on temptation. And one of those I'll be talking about, we need to learn to mind our own business. I'll save that for then. But we do need to mind our own business. And our business is the Lord. Our business is not the manna of this life. Many of our problems in living for Jesus do not rise from an ignorance of his will. We know his will. It is not from failure to distinguish from right and wrong. We know right from wrong. Our failure is because of a lack of commitment. It is an imperfect commitment to serve Jesus. That's, that's our problem. Beef up your commitment today. Here's what I want you to take away from this today as we get ready to leave. I want you to notice the three things that Jesus responded to the devil. It should be our mantra. It is what we should repeat. It's what we should think on. Make it the core of your life. And here they are. Number one, man should not live on bread alone. That is, do not have distraction, distracted devotion in your life. Don't be distracted so easily by the things of the world. Man shall not live on bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Number two, verse eight, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only serve. And serve him only. The devil wants us to serve him. And, you know, if the devil can get 20% and you give God 80%, the devil's happy with that. God's not happy with that. But the devil's happy with that because if he can get 20% out of you, one day he's going to get 40. 
God's not happy with only having 60% of your life. But the devil's very happy with 40% because he knows if he can get 40 today, one day it's going to flip-flop and he's going to have 60 and God's going to have 40%. And one day you'll be so discouraged and you'll say, what's the use? And you'll give up Christianity altogether. The devil knows exactly what he's doing. Number three, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. You got away with that temptation. Oh, you've been sinning that sin for years. And what's one more? What's one more? God hasn't done anything so far. He won't do anything now. You're testing God. And God's going to do something about it and you're going to feel like an idiot. You're going to feel like a fool. You're going to come on your knees to God and say, what was I thinking? That's the sobering thought there, isn't it? What was I thinking? Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for the words of Matthew and Luke today describing what Jesus did to have the victory and I pray for the Christian Church of Mantino, and I pray that we will have the victory. The victory is ours, dear God, but I just, I'm trying to think of ways that the church can come and get it, that the church can be victorious, and that individuals who suffer so hard, uh, they, they have such strong temptations, they, they fall so easily, they're weak. And I'm just saying, God, I, I want to help them. And I want to thank you for forgiving us of our sin. I want to thank you for your grace. I want to thank you that you're the God of second chances and the God of a hundred chances and a thousand chances. Thank you, dear Jesus, for going to the cross of Calvary and dying for us. Thank you for being victorious against Satan and make us strong. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.